Okay. So, Pastor Frank, may I can repeat it. Made a big deal about the marriage conference already. Is that right? They're going to beat you into submission with announcements about the marriage conference until you all register. Has anybody registered yet? Come on. Come on. Talk to me. Anybody? Any? Pastor Frank, we need to change our topic tonight. Or better yet, I need to preach it to myself. We're talking about discouragement tonight. But now it's this thing 12 times and nobody has uh, registered for this yet. Marriage conference, people. It's coming up. Don't wait till the last minute. Sign up. Go online. Graceontheashley.com. Click the link. Register. Get signed up. Commit. Okay? Nod your head if you at least hear me. Okay. All right. I'll tell myself that means you're going to do it. Um, so tonight we are, are going to start wrapping up our series on uh, spiritual warfare. And before we, uh, before we actually do that, I want to mention to you, um, kind of thinking about, praying about what to jump into next. And so I just kind of want to throw it out there. If you have um, something that's particularly interesting to you, something that you would um, like to hear more about, something you'd like... Um, um, Something you've been thinking about, you've been wanting us to teach on, uh, always throw that idea at me, um, and uh, we'll be, be very interested to hear that. Revelation, end times, is off the table. I just throw that out there. Um, anytime any pastor ever asks that question, the answer always is, you know, somebody comes back with Revelation, end times. So I just want to, that's the most popular answer, so I'm going to throw that out. I'm not going to teach on that. But if you have anything else you want to talk about, uh, or anything else, other topic that you're particularly interested in, um, by all means, throw out some feedback to me, and uh, we'll be happy to, to jump on that. So um, we're going to wrap this up tonight and uh, maybe next week. And, uh, and so we've been talking about this idea of spiritual warfare. We've been talking about how, how important the mind is in, in that matter. And, um, and so early on, why well, I say early on, it's been several weeks ago, we talked about the issue of, of, of discouragement and how that becomes one of Satan's great tools in spiritual warfare particularly against believers, this issue of, of discouragement. And so I want to think some about that tonight, process a little bit about discouragement tonight. So I've got a couple of questions I want you to break out and uh, chat with one another about uh, concerning that. So take about uh, ten minutes and um, talk about discouragement with each other. got some questions for you. Ready? Go. I mean, go. Really, go. You can read the question when you get in your group. Or you can just sit there. All right, so... Uh, let me get your attention here real quick, and let's, um, let's chat for just a second about your questions, and then uh, we'll uh, talk a little, bit about, uh, a little bit about this issue of discouragement. So <clears throat> I, imagine, uh, I imagine this is a, a topic that doesn't really apply to anybody that sits here tonight, right? Nobody deals with discouragement at all. It doesn't cross your radar. It doesn't come across the path. Everybody's uh, cheerful and encouraged and joy-filled all the time, right? So... Judging by the smiles on your faces, I suspect that's not true. So, uh, the first question there, um, <clears throat> just the, the last part of it. How do you how do you typically respond when discouragement? Before before let me just what were some of the issues that popped up in your discussion? Like, what kind of uh, events did you guys describe where discouragement has showed up in your life? I mean, you don't have to give the whole story, but just give me like snippets. Okay, your work atmosphere. Okay, so what kind of things at work? Like, okay, so, so like job circumstances, you know, interactions with people on the job can be discouraging. Okay, I'll buy that. What else? Okay. Okay. 
Okay, so if you guys in the back didn't hear, Joel was mentioning, you know, you pray for something and you don't get immediate, uh, see immediate results from that prayer. And so, you know, you eventually if that wears on a bit, discouragement can set in. Sure. Okay. Uh, job scenarios. Yeah. Ben. Okay. Ministry opportunities in what regard? Like you're actually doing them or... Okay. Okay, so like uh, most of you guys know that Ben's been kind of initiating a ministry in downtown Shakur neighborhood, right? On Saturdays, going down trying to engage some of the children in that area, play games with them, find opportunities to share the gospel with them. And uh, there are times when you show up down there and there's nobody there. Nobody comes out. Um, that happens a couple of times and it's easy to be discouraged. Sure. Sure. All right, so you have big dreams and big plans, and you, you, know, you, you envision things playing out a certain way, and you start traveling down the road, and all of a sudden it doesn't play out that way. It plays out a whole different way. Absolutely. All right. Sounds good. Got to hear something else? I was just myself. All right, how do you typically respond when discouragement begins to well in your life? How does that? You feel discouragement starting to come on. You feel yourself starting to, to get down. What, what do you do? What do you typically do? <laughs> get loud, okay? Okay. All right. So dig into scripture um, and scripture and music. I like that combination. That's a good one. That's a good one. Anything else? Okay. Seek wise counsel. Okay. Let me ask you, just out of curiosity, how far does the discouragement have to go before you normally take that step? I ask you, but anybody else as well. Okay, I was gonna. I was wondering if somebody would say it, but yeah, Audrey's like it has to pretty much usually go a long way, unless you've got somebody really, really close that you can, you know, just interact with that can give you some wise counsel. Yeah. All right. So if there are all these kinds of circumstances that um, that can spark discouragement for us, why? And we understand that this is part of the enemy's purpose and plan, right? We've talked about the issue of. Uh, of, of doing the work of the kingdom and being the body of Christ in the world. And certainly Satan and, and his um, associates, if we'll call him that, um, are doing everything he can to thwart the work of the kingdom, right? And to stop believers from being effective at the ministry God's called us to. So how does discouragement fit into that picture? Why is it an important weapon that he uses? How does it affect our ability to serve the kingdom? All right, it makes us ineffective, right? It's great. You're discouraged. Are you excited about ministry? Are you excited about looking for opportunities to share your faith? Are you excited about your role as a godly parent in your home and serving your family that way when you're discouraged? The answer to that question is no. Um, Why is it then, if we understand that this is part of the enemy's game plan, why is it that we're so susceptible to this? What would you guys come up with on that? Okay, so it relates to our confidence in the flesh, all right? We like to complain. Okay, easy to be hard on yourself when you're aware of sin in your life and become discouraged, okay? All right. So, well, we already answered that one a bit. Let's, let's look a little bit at this issue. Uh, when we look at what the biblical writers had to say about this issue of discouragement and encouragement, when they... When the biblical writers talk about this, they're not talking typically about um, 
kind of a, um, a temporary sort of dip in our emotions. They're, they're talking about um, something a little more significant, a little more, a little more deeply entrenched. Um, you know the difference between a, a just feeling low and then getting in a rut where you are really low and you stay that way for some, some um, length of season that, and you begin to, to lose confidence in God or, or your faith begins to be affected, your perseverance, your motivation to serve, your motivation to obey the Lord, all of those things start to become affected. Um, a couple of definitions that the authors of our study give for uh, discouragement and encouragement or using these words discouraging and encouraging that I think are helpful in understanding uh, how this plays out in Scripture. Things that are discouraging are things that hinder our confidence in God. They, they lead to a decreased faith, a decreased perseverance, decreased motivation to action or obedience. You, this makes sense, right? You've, you've been through this in your life. You've seen these seasons in your life where your motivation in those areas have just bottomed out. And it's lasted for some time. And, of course, the opposite of that, bless you, the opposite of that is uh, anything that strengthens those things and strengthens our faithfulness to God. So, you know, the discouragement comes and it takes us down to the rut and then something comes along at some point and encourages us and it brings us back up and it strengthens us and it pulls us kind of out of that. Yeah, Pastor Frank. Um, it, let's hold that. Let's hold that. Um, if we mean by that, if we mean by that allowing ourselves to remain in that state, I would answer the question yes. Uh, I think going down to the bottom is no. Um, it's I think how we respond to that then becomes whether it crosses the line to sin or not. You know whether we allow ourselves to stay there or whether we begin to implement procedures to pull ourselves out. And I say pull ourselves out, and I mean that. Yeah, understanding the sovereignty of God in the mix of that. Um, let me just say a couple of things about this. First of all, we should understand that discouragement doesn't come from God, right? Okay, is that fair enough to say at the beginning? God is not in the business of discouragement, typically. Um, God isn't the one who typically discourages. When we're feeling discouraged and we're, when we're experiencing that and we find ourselves kind of, kind of going down and hitting that rut and, and finding ourselves kind of living there for a season, it's not God who's taking us there. And we need to recognize that kind of right at the outset. There are um, some... I think clear principles in Scripture that point this out to us. When we look at the life of Christ, we see if anybody had reason to be discouraged, would you say that the ministry of Jesus in his you know, three and a half years or so here, that he had reason to be discouraged? What reasons would, what, what circumstances would have given Christ very good opportunities or reasons for discouragement? <laughs> Peter, one word. Peter would be enough, yes. Okay? Came to his own and they rejected him. Yeah, so think. Right, so think in terms of all the multitudes of people that he healed of blindness, you know, being lame, you know, all the multitude of kinds of uh, infirmities and sicknesses and diseases and things that he healed. I mean, multitudes on multiple occasions, um, and and at the end, just 150, you know, just 150 that are hanging around right after the cross. That's enough to give you reason for discouragement. Um, Dealing with the disciples, his, his inner circle, the twelve. I mean, they, they could be thick-headed and difficult to deal with and slow to pick up on, on the vision of the kingdom that he was playing out. And all sorts of things. I mean, uh, wrongly accused, arrested, crucified, you know, all of that in the picture. 
Um, but do we see any evidence of, of, of Christ um, becoming susceptible to discouragement? Do you see any evidence of that? Do you see any evidence of him um, getting to a place where he began to lack confidence in, in the Father? No, you don't really, do you? I mean, even at the end, even at the end, when we're, when we're, looking, at, when we're looking at the cross, um, when we have this, when, when he's dying as the atoning sacrifice on the cross and the Father's turned from, from him, you know, even in that moment, we don't see a lack of confidence in the Father, do we? We, we see him aching, in a sense, feeling that, that, that distance, but discouragement isn't part of the picture. Um, and, and then when we see how God interacts with discouraged people, um, we, we, don't, we don't ever really see God encouraging that or saying, hey, you know, I understand you. You have a right to be discouraged. I mean, it's, it's been pretty rough for you here. Why don't you just hang out there for a while and, and, and wallow in it? Um, no, we don't. God engages people who are, who are encouraged, but, but there's always a goal. And the goal is not to keep them there or to, or to uh, sort of affirm and, and assist in staying there. It's always to, 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 to challenge them and motivate them and, and pull them out of it. And we see this in examples with Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 9, Jeremiah chapter 15. Um, we see it dealing with the nation of Israel on a couple of occasions. And so God doesn't encourage that as part as doesn't encourage discouragement as part of his will. He doesn't. He, he tries to, to encourage people. He's an encourager. He's the God of encouragement, um, the writer of Hebrews calls him. But will mention that in a minute. Um, and, and, and frankly, God isn't the one who discourages. If God was actively discouraging people, how would, that, how, would that, uh, how would we make that fit with what we understand God's character to be? Is, God a character, is his character one of discouragement? No, it's not, right? I mean, we don't, we don't see that as part of God's character. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. Listen, I've got the wrong translation here. Have you um, forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, don't regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines ones he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. The reason I wanted you to see that verse is we, we do recognize that when we sin, God does what? He often disciplines us, right? Um, and discipline, when it comes, can feel a bit like discouragement, but it's different, right? When God disciplines, he disciplines because he... What's the motivation? He disciplines out of love, and the goal is not to discourage us, but ultimately to what? To transform us and restore us. So I think it's important to, to make that distinction that there's a difference between discouragement and God's discipline, which often feels discouraging at the moment, but understanding that God's purpose isn't discouragement, it's restoration. And it's challenging us, and it's calling us back to himself that we might be brought back into right relationship with him. Um, and so we see, we see this issue of discouragement coming not from God, but coming from the enemy. If we're talking about the battle, if we're talking about the war we've been talking about for several weeks now, um, it's the enemy who brings the discouragement. When discouragement begins to set into our lives, we can, we can quickly identify. Um, first of all, we, we need to examine ourselves and ask the question, is there active sin going on in my life? Is there something that needs to be confessed before the Lord? Could this be the Lord's discipline in my life, drawing me back to himself, calling me to repentance? Um, once we've worked our way through that, if we sense this discouragement continuing, then we can pretty much identify this isn't coming from the Lord, it's coming where? From the enemy, and we recognize this as part of this spiritual battle that we're in. And... Um, there are all sorts of ways that uh, discouragement comes at us. And can you think of any, any biblical narratives, any Old Testament stories where somebody was dealing with discouragement? 
<laughs> Jonah. Jonah was in rebellion, so he was dealing with sin and discouragement was a part of that picture. So David's a great example. Um, we could, if we had the time tonight, we could dig through several of the Psalms where, where David just kind of lays his heart bare, and you see his discouragement coming, coming right out on the surface. Um, and that may be worth doing at some point. So David's a good example. What about Job? Job get discouraged at any point? <laughs> no? Yes? No? What do you know about that guy? A little bit? Sure. How did, how did Satan use things? That, what kind of things did he use in Job's life to try and bring discouragement? <laughs> I knew somebody would say, I knew some guy would say his nagging wife. How, how is that always going to be the, the guy whose wife isn't in here right now is the one who says that? Um, so, is, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, think about it. Things start to go bad, and, and what is the first thing his wife is saying? You know, in Job chapter 2, verse 9, he's saying, you know, um, are you still holding fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. I mean, I mean, who's that the voice of? I mean, it's the wife speaking, but who's that the voice of? That's the enemy coming at Job. That's the enemy coming at Job. You know, using his wife as a part of that picture. Sure, it is. Um, you know, the Bible talks about discouragement. It talks about the heart growing faint. Have you read that in some translation? You know, your heart grows faint. Um, a good example of that would be Psalm 143, verse 4. I think I put a slide on that one. Yeah, therefore my spirit faints within me. Um, that's a, it's a kind of a vivid description of, of discouragement. You, feeling faint, feeling, feeling depressed, feeling, feeling down. Um, it, 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 the opposite of that is encouragement, which, which the Bible uses the word refresh or refreshed or refreshing. It's the other way around, right? You're either fainting or you're being refreshed. And so these things play out, and it's part of the, part of the battle. What, what, what kind of things have caused um, the most discouragement in your life? What kind of things have caused the most, I mean, the most intense discouragement? I mean, things like job irritations and things like that, they discourage us, but they tend to come and go. Family, yeah, family events and things that go on in the family, sure. Extended sickness, I find, is really prevalent in, in the body of Christ. People who, you know, people who struggle with, with sickness and disease and it just endures for long seasons of time and it doesn't go away. They pray about it and pray about it and other people pray for them and it just lingers. Um, it can be very, very discouraging. And what else? Anything else? Well, there are other things. You just don't want to say them right now. I got it. Um, let me just kind of give you some, some factors that contribute to discouragement, some factors that kind of, um, kind of usher in this, this opportunity to be discouraged. I think you'll recognize some of these. You mentioned a couple of them earlier. Um, one of the first ones, I think, is Pastor Frank mentioned this a little while ago. Uh, unmet expectation, just like you read my mind, isn't it? Um, Unmet expectations. We, we kind of plan for things to go a certain way. We kind of plan for life to happen a certain way. We kind of plan for our finances to develop um, and our savings to go a certain way. We kind of envision our, our, our career path to work a certain way. And, and we have these expectations of how things should operate. And then those expectations get blown away by circumstances or people or something else. And those expectations aren't met. And, we, and the result is often what? Yeah, we, our response becomes one of discouragement. We're disappointed with God. We, he hasn't met our expectations. And, and so we get discouraged. And that discouragement can lead to other things like bitterness and anger and so forth. Um, but unmet expectations. Can you think of times in your life when there have been expectations that just didn't, weren't met? When you were discouraged? 
I don't know why this popped into my mind, but when I, I can remember being a single man. It's been a while for me. I can remember that, though, and wanting so badly to meet, you know, some woman and to get married. And, you know, your friends start getting married and it doesn't happen for you. And, you know, you had these expectations that all this is going to play out in a certain way in a certain time frame. And then it doesn't happen. And all of a sudden you can find yourself discouraged pretty quickly. I remember that pretty vividly in my life. You know, I um, just had a friend came in tonight. You might have heard us laughing over there. Uh, Brett Tolbert works for Lifeway now. And um, raise your hand, Brett. He's a Georgia Bulldog fan. I think we have a couple of those in here. Um, haven't seen Brett in about 20-something years. And he just rolled right in tonight. So, um, But... Uh, um, I don't even know why that even struck my mind to mention that. I had a point there for a second, but um, I, I knew Brett during that season of my life when I had all these expectations of how things should play out, and they didn't play out that, that way in my life. And I was really discouraged during the time that we were in college together, and um, it's been a long time since then. But, uh, but surely you can think of those times in your life when you've had expectations, and they just weren't met. They just weren't met, and you got disappointed, and you got discouraged. Um, it happens a lot. It's one of the ways, one of the ways that uh, discouragement sets in. Let me think of another one. How about this? Pain. Pain. Can pain cause discouragement? How's that? <laughs> Pat's shaking her head right here. She just had a knee replacement surgery. She's been sitting in a chair for weeks now, not able to, to do the things she wants to do. So, you know, it's fresh on your mind. Pain can make you discouraged. You ever been in a season of pain in your life? Where there's pain that just lingered? Yeah, it happens. Discouragement becomes a part of it. Job is an example of that as well. Um, how about just different hardships? I mean, just things happen that are hard. What kind of things happen that are hard? Broken relationships happen. Financial hardships come into your life. Yeah. What's that? Death. Yeah. Just buried my next door neighbor of 35 years from my parents on last Saturday and talked with got a good chance to spend time with some guys that I grew up with. And, you know, that was a hardship in their life. They're struggling with saying goodbye to their mom. It's a hardship. One of them's very discouraged. Yep. Hardships. So all kinds of things, like, uh, all kinds of things that could fall under this umbrella of hardship. Um, how about fatigue? Fatigue. Does fatigue usher in discouragement? Do you find that you're more easily discouraged when you're, when you're worn out? Do you? I think that's true in my life for sure. First um, Kings chapter 18 and 19, you get the story of Elijah, who uh, is a prophet of God, and he's dealing with, he's dealing with uh, this evil kingdom uh, ruled by Ahab, the king. And do you remember whose queen was? Ahab and Jezebel, that's right. And, um, you know, right when things are about to turn around in the nation, Jezebel comes after Elijah and tries to kill him. He has to flee for his life, and he's running uh, to hide, and he, he gets so discouraged, he, he begins to pray that God would actually just kill him. I mean, just God, take me out of here. Just kill me. That's pretty low, right? That's pretty. That's pretty deep discouragement when you're willing to pray, God, kill me. That's pretty discouraged. But God doesn't do that. God didn't do that. You know what He did? What? He he put him into his sleep. He let him sleep and brought angels to feed him. He was worn out. He was worn out. He was fatigued. He was fatigued, and that was bringing on this discouragement in his life. It was providing that opportunity. I'm going to give you a little nice thing. A focus on circumstances. That'll take you to discouragement in a heartbeat, won't it? Right? Um, things are going on in your life. 
Um, as long as you're walking with the Lord and your eyes are on Him, you know, you can maintain some level of encouragement. But, you know, you get your eyes off of the Lord and you begin just dwelling on the things that are happening around you, the relationships, the problems, the hardships, the fatigue, the, any of those other things. And all of a sudden, very quickly, discouragement can root into your heart. Um, so all these are avenues through which discouragement comes to us, right? And I, I imagine you could probably give us, if you weren't full of meatloaf and all that stuff, um, you could probably give examples that fit each of those categories. Um, and, and we could give biblical examples of that as well. Um, but when we get to Romans chapter f- uh, 15, verses 4 and 5, I want you to understand that the nature of God is encouragement. The enemy brings discouragement, and God's nature is one of encouragement. Listen to what Paul writes to the church in Rome. He says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have what? Hope. Hope. Discouragement, you begin to lose hope, right? That's one of the characteristics of it. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. How does he describe God in that? The God of endurance and the God of encouragement. It's part of God's nature to be an encouragement. So, so when, we, when, we, when we go through these things and things begin to happen, fatigue, hardship, difficulty, pain, and we begin to feel that discouragement setting in, we can instantly identify this is not coming from whom? This is not coming from the Lord. This is, a, this is part of the enemy's attack in my life. It's part of his battle plan to knock me out of the work of the kingdom, to knock me off of my feet, to get me to where I'm not standing firm anywhere, to where I'm out of the battle. We can identify that. And then the flip side of that is when, when, when encouragement comes into our life, uh, we understand that that's who's speaking to us, speaking into our lives. It's coming from the Lord. He's a God of encouragement. He's a God who brings encouragement. And how does God bring that into our lives? I liked your answer a little while ago. Um, he brings it through the scriptures, certainly. Who, who hasn't sat down with the word of God in a time of discouragement and began to read the Psalms or begin to read something and find, wow, I'm encouraged. Walked away feeling, feeling like you were, you were lifted a bit. You were a little less fainting. Music is another way, right? Music that speaks the word of God to us. Um, that's been a blessing in my life. God uses that to encourage us. To encourage us. Other people, Right? That wise counsel that you talked about, often there have been many times in my life when discouragement has set in and um, God has brought someone into my life, another person from the body of Christ that, that would sit down and listen and be the, the, the voice of encouragement back into my life. And that fainting turns into some refreshing because of what, how God speaks through them. What else? Does he use his church? There you go. Remembering what God has done in the past. Absolutely. Thinking back on how God has been so faithful time and again. So when we're discouraged, we remind ourselves, God, you've been faithful time and time again. He'll be faithful this time too. He'll pull me out of this. Sure. Sure. All sorts of ways of encouraging. The body of Christ encourages. You know, I'll tell you a story uh, that happened yesterday. A little illustration of how the body of Christ encourages people. I was was at my son's school. I had a little meeting, uh, a little committee thing there, and the principal was in the meeting, and um, the vice principal was in the meeting. And after the meeting, I was talking with the principal uh, because I'm trying to build some relationship there and trying to figure out if there are some mission opportunities, that some ways that our, our church could be a blessing to the school and you know, somehow um, express the love of Christ that way. And so I'm trying to build a relationship with this principal, and I was talking to her about um, uh, 
what we've done in the past with some other elementary schools, you know, in the fall when we adopt a, a first-year teacher and smother them with uh, supplies for their classroom. How many of you remember this? We do a big spaghetti lunch, get a bunch of school supplies. So I was telling the principal that, you know, how we have done this in the past and trying to get a sense for whether or not she would be interested in, in maybe us doing that with a teacher at that school in the fall next year. And as I'm explaining this to her, the vice principal standing right next to her. Before I can finish, he says, do you pastor Pierpont? And it just kind of caught me off guard because I really wasn't talking to him and I wasn't expecting that. And I said, well, I sort of do, yes. Did, do, I don't know, kind of. Um, why do you ask? And he said, he said, because in 2004, I was one of those teachers that you did that for. And I had no idea. He said, I was a first-year teacher at Springfield Elementary, your church. Um, you adopted me, and you filled me up with stuff for my classroom. And, and he just lit up and talked for five minutes about what an encouragement that was in his life, what a blessing it was to him that year. And here it is a decade later, and he remembers the name of the church. He said, and there was this little lady that came, and I said, you mean Trudy? And he said, Trudy! And he started talking about Trudy, you know. A decade later, he remembers the church, he remembers Trudy lit up. Why? Because something simple that we did in those days was a huge encouragement to him. Um, he reminded me, I don't even think that I knew this, or I didn't remember it. He said that during that, during that year as well, he found that he had a student who was living with his parents out of a car, didn't have a home, and he contacted Trudy, and the ladies of our church went out and met that family and provided some of their needs and did some other things as well. Um, but here was a school vice principal now who still lit up thinking about the encouragement that that simple act of mission on a, on a church's part brought into his life. So God uses the church, doesn't he, to encourage people. I mean, you could probably tell stories in your life of when you've been discouraged and somebody from the body of Christ did something or said something or, or brought something into your life that, that just lit you up and, and brought encouragement into your life. Um, I, mean, I, I just want to leave you with, with Psalm 42, if we can go there, because our time's just about up. <clears throat> Psalm 42 um, is, a, is a lengthy psalm, um, but it's a, it's a psalm... Uh, it's a psalm written by the, the uh, sons of Korah, and, and it, it's a psalm that talks about the battle for encouragement or the battle against discouragement. And we don't have time to, to break it down in this desk, but I just want to sh- sh- lay it out to you and show you a couple of quick things in it. Um, to the choir master, the mascal of the sons of Korah, uh, you probably know the first part of this, right? As a, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so my, um, pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My, my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day, where is your God? All right, pause there. So what's this guy's situation? What's the situation described? Tears, food, day and night. Yeah, the guy's weeping. That's discouraged. That's low, right? Eating his tears. That's the description. It's a vivid way of saying I'm crying. I'm broken. I'm, I'm discouraged. I'm down. And apparently there are enemies around who are saying to him what? Where's your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise. A, a multitude keeping the festival. Okay, what's he thinking about? He's reflecting backwards on, okay, worshiping with God's people, with cor- on, a, on the corporate worship that brought joy to his life. He's thinking backwards on that um, as a means of battling his current 
discouragement. Then he says this, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Another way of just saying I'm discouraged, right? Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon from Mount... I don't know how to pronounce that word, but that's what Audrey was talking about, right? Here's a guy that's discouraged, and what's he doing? It's like you read this, right, Audrey? He's remembering. He's thinking back on what God has done in the past as a means of battling his current discouragement. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Interesting to note there, there are things going on in his life. There are circumstances that are happening that are causing discouragement. He doesn't play out exactly what all those are, but they're there. But he hasn't forgotten the sovereignty of God, right? Whose breakers are breaking over him? Did you see that? Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to God. He said, all your breakers and all your waves have gone over me. God, all this is happening. It's It's like I'm in the water and the waves are just beating me. But God, I recognize your sovereignty in the mix of all this. Um, by day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me. Uh-oh, his song is with me. Those of you who like to sing, how's he battling this? This is a song as well, the song. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, and while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. It's a great, it's a great psalm that plays out for us the wrestling that goes on with discouragement. Now, this guy's got some real circumstances in his life that have caused him to be discouraged, right? You can see that. Enemies that are taunting him. Um, he's broken. He's crying. He's certainly lacking the joy of the Lord that's once marked his life. It's not there anymore. Um, but he's not sitting back just wallowing in that either, is he? There's no, there's no evidence of that. He, he realizes that this is a battle and that this is part of the enemy's work in his life. He's coming at him and he's in the battle. He's not going to just lay down, right? So he's fighting back and you saw some of the ways that he was fighting back, right? He remembers God's faithfulness in the past. He prays. He sings. He thinks about corporate worship in the past when he was filled with joy. Those of you guys who just came back from uh, T4G, you know, you had these great moments of, uh, of worship with 8,000 other people just singing God's praise. And there's nothing quite like that. And you just remember the joy and the encouragement of that. And um, that's the kind of thing that when you're eating your tears, you can reflect on and say, man, I remember what that joy was like. I remember what that tasted like, and God can bring that back, and you just fight it. You know, God can bring that back. Lord, bring that back. Um, So he sings, and he affirms God's sovereign love right in the middle of it. But then he begins to to preach to himself or to speak to himself. Did you notice that? Where did he do that in the psalm? Where did he speak to himself? It's right there in front of you, right? The first line, what is he saying? Who's he talking to? Yeah, he's talking. He's saying to himself, "Self, why are you? Why are you so discouraged? Why are you? You know, it's like he's looking at himself in the mirror and saying, "Hey, dude, why are you so downcast? Why are you so so wrapped up and so in turmoil?" And he's telling himself, "What? Don't stay there. Do what? Thank you. Hope in God. 
He's telling himself, he's preaching in himself, you can hope in God. You can put your confidence in the Lord. He'll pull you out of this. See, he's, he's actively fighting back against this message of discouragement that's being spoken into his life, isn't he? Um, you know, that's an important thing. Uh, you know, if we sit back passive, dwelling on all of our circumstances, thinking about how bad things are in our lives, um, you can go to a pit and you can stay there. Um, but the psalmist gives us a good little, you know, little taste of what it looks like to do battle against discouragement. Um, remembering the past, focusing on God's love, remembering the joy of worshiping the Lord when that was real and present in your life, fighting back those messages in your mind, going back to the Word of God and finding those places where you, you can see promises of God's faithfulness and the joy that He's going to restore at some point, looking back in the history of your life where you've seen God work before and telling that to yourself, reminding yourself, no, I don't give myself permission to stay like this. I'm going to hope in God. Look what God's done. Look what He can do. Remind yourself of His sovereign love. Remind yourself of His faithfulness. Remind yourself of His promises to keep you to the end and so forth. And, and battle against this thing. Um, you know, I think too often in my life I look back to the seasons where discouragement kind of lingered. It kind of lingered on for a season. And um, in, in, in a couple of those occasions, it's because I just laid down and wallowed in it. And allowed it to consume me. Instead of doing what the psalmist in Psalm 42 is telling us, to, to fight back, to realize it's a battle, and realize I've got to step up and put on the armor and fight back. I'm going to fight back some discouragement this week, I hope. Because um, probably something's going to happen to you this week. You're going to go back to work right before, the, before we get back together on Sunday. You're going to be navigating in your families this week. Um, you know, some bill's going to come in or some, something's going to happen, and you're going to find discouragement welling up. What are you going to do about that? You're going to recognize where it's coming from, which is where? Come on, people. I know it's late. Where is it coming from? The enemy. Thank you. It's not coming from the Lord. Identify it as part of the spiritual battle we've been talking about. Go back to Psalm 42 and look at some of these ways that you can fight back. And begin to put them into practice. Fight back that discouragement. Don't let the enemy win in that part of the battle. All right? Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for our time together tonight. And uh, we, we recognize this, uh, uh, this, this tactic that the enemy brings to us, this, this issue of discouragement. And Lord, he can come at us from so many different angles, uh, through pain, through the circumstances of our life, through the people around us, uh, through uh, fatigue, uh, through uh, unmet expectations that we have, that, um, ways that we've charted the course for our life that, uh, that just don't play out the way we expected. And and, Lord, all of those things provide for us great opportunities um, and great reasons to be discouraged. Uh, but, Father, you give us better reasons to be filled with joy. You give us better reasons to hope in you, to trust in you. And, Lord, we pray that um, as we think about this and begin to, to evaluate our own lives, um, where discouragement might even be rooting itself right now, uh, Lord, I pray that you would give us clear visibility to the source of that discouragement. Help us to see where it's coming from. Help us to identify that it's not from you. Because you're a God of encouragement. You're a God of hope. And you're a God that fills his people with joy even in the midst of storms. So help us to see it, Lord. And I pray, God, that you would help us even this week not to give ourselves permission to just wallow in discouragement. Feeling sorry for ourselves looking for pity from everybody around us, 
God, help us to do what the psalmist in Psalm 42 recommends. Help us to look in the mirror and, and speak to ourselves, preach your word to ourselves, tell ourselves, hope in God. Remind us even tonight, Lord, of how you've been faithful in our lives in the past. Remind us of those moments and those seasons where, uh, where we thought hope was lost and you, you rescued us. You brought us out of the pit. And you set our feet on the firm ground. Uh, help us remember those times of worship and song uh, that were so uplifting and joy-filling. And help us to remember your promises for the future where you promised to keep us and restore us care for us and love us see us through to the end Lord help us to keep our eyes on you Father I pray for whoever's here tonight that might be dealing with discouragement right now that you'd begin to help them to see hope and that that hope would be rooted and fixing their eyes tonight firmly on you and placing their trust and confidence in you we pray for these things in Jesus name Amen